Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello and welcome to the 221st edition of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. Back for a sixth season on the air. In the Music City, I'm Matt Perkins. Momentarily, we will be joined by our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton. But in the meantime, we still have the third amigo in the second city, a man for whom the word hybrid has become an epithet. Oh, God. Our intrepid blogger from Big Ten and Counting, Josh Cook. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Avid listeners of the show have probably picked up that all of us are in education in some way. I'm a high school history teacher up here in the great city of Chicago. Our school's doing the hybrid thing. So, um, yeah, a lot of strange work. What unfortunately gets pushed to the side is fun stuff like talking football. I don't think we've had a show in months we didn't do it's any of our been, preview shows it's been six it's been it's, it's been, been six and a half seven weeks since we had a show it's been absolutely crazy for all of us trying to coordinate teaching learning podcasting and getting all of that on the air but the games are back as we are recording uh we've got miami taking on uab down in the orange bowl Derek king making his debut is it in the, the orange Canes. bowl well, I mean, I, I don't even know if we can call that the Orange Bowl these days. I guess it's the it, it's the ghost of the Orange Bowl. Does that work for you? Fair enough. Fair enough. Should we do a uh, super fast week one? Yes. Let's jump recap. In. What like what caught your eye? Yeah. Let's talk. Let's talk about week one. Well, I mean, I'm going to talk about what caught my eye was uh, BYU Navy. Apparently, uh, it's a good idea to <laughs> practice tackling before you actually go out and play an opponent. <sighs> Yeah, wow. Um, BYU looked really sharp. Navy did not. Um, but with the little practice time, it's hard to really get a read on things. So, oh, oh yeah, that, that was jarring. It felt, um, I was so excited for that game. You know, it was Monday night. Uh, the rest of the weekend slate was pretty blah there, but were, there was a couple there, there, things. There, there, there were two games that I really had my eye on over the weekend bef- before that game. But um, yeah, but um, yeah, this game was definitely supposed to be like the cherry on top and yeah. ended up being just like a massive <laughs> amount of like, you know, like some like super sweet cherry syrup that doesn't actually <laughs> taste very good on the rest of the Sunday. Midway through the third quarter, I told my girlfriend, I was like, yeah, let's go walk the dog. She's like, I thought you were really excited for this game. And I'm like. It's it's thirty one nothing. Like it's it's done. It's a blowout. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was thirty one nothing and a half. I mean, it was ridiculous. No, there were two games though that I was actually really locked in on uh, over week one. That was Middle Tennessee State at Army. I was expecting a close game for that one. We did not get a close game there. And then obviously, I think Arkansas no. State, Arkansas State, Memphis was probably the best game of week one. Um, between two teams that we expect, you know, at this point, year in and year out for both those squads to be pretty solid within the AAC and the Sun Belt, respectively. And that ended up being a pretty good game, even without uh, Kenneth, uh, Kenneth Gainwell, Memphis's star running back who has opted out of the season because of COVID. Memphis ended up winning 37-24. Brady White, the quarterback, 
back again. And he, you know, kind of picked up where he left off last season, 27 to 37, 280 yards and four touchdowns. He looked pretty good. And the Memphis running game did not suffer without Gainwell. Sean Dyke stepped up 137 yards and two touchdowns. Um, so, you know, that was a, you know, that that was a good one. That was probably the most fun game that I watched. Josh, did you watch any of the other games over the weekend? Yeah, I caught a lot of these games. Um, some of the play was really sloppy, so it was more like checking in on it. For instance, uh, UAB Central Arkansas, you know, I, I caught blips of it, but uh, didn't watch the whole thing, to be totally honest. Marshall just got all over Eastern Kentucky in a hurry. Uh, so I only watched the first half of that game, but that would be my honorable mention. Marshall looking really crisp. Oh yeah, they talked about great. the Army and BYU blowouts. Marshall blew out a team as well. Uh, I had two games that I really wanted to talk about, so I'm glad you didn't talk about either because I was worried you were going to steal my thunder. But well, are, are, are you uh, here for the Lumberjacks, Stephen F. Austin? Ooh, uh, no, I'm I'm not going to talk about the Stephen oh. F. Austin game. I'm going to talk about SMU um, playing a road game, although very weird because. No fans, so strange road game. Uh, but they did go on the road to Texas State. Texas State has been really bad for quite a while, and the Bobcats gave them a game. And so I was impressed in defeat with the Bobcats looking a little bit better. Uh, their quarterback, Mr. Brady McBride, had himself a pretty nice game. Mm-hmm. Um, not the highest completion percentage, did have a pick, but... Uh, I thought he moved the offense pretty well for a team not getting as much uh, from their starting running back as I think they would have hoped. Yeah, I mean, he stood up. You know, he he looked mm-hmm. even with Shane Bouchel from SMU, who is, you know, one of the top quarterbacks in yeah, the group I was of gonna five. Yeah, going to talk about that. Yeah, SMU breaking in a new quarterback, Shane Bouchel. He had himself a pretty nice game as well. Uh, those two teams looked maybe not defensively, quite yet in midseason form, but they put on a show. And then the other game that um, I really liked, like way under the radar, I really liked this game. South Alabama went down to Hattiesburg, beat Southern Miss again, kind of weird for a road game, but the Jags have been awful for quite a while. This was their first road game, road win, excuse me, since 2017. Um, they also had a pretty nice day by their quarterback, Desmond Trotter, 299 through the air, two touchdowns, two picks. Uh, he also gave a little bit with his feet, 41 rushing yards. Uh, I thought the Jags looked pretty good. I thought Southern Miss was not as bad as Navy in regards to this, but uh, they looked like a team that clearly didn't have much practice due to the COVID thing. So it's interesting how some of these teams come out sharper than others. I don't know if Josh, there's a common theme to that or not. Josh, Southern Miss is so bad that their head coach quit after the game. <laughs> Did you see that? <laughs> yeah. But. I mean, Jay Hobson, Jay, Jay Hobson resigned after the game, not because of the game, obviously, but <laughs> it's still like, it, it's still may, maybe losing to South Alabama really was <laughs> the kick in the pants that they needed to wake up a little bit for the mustard buzzards. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it was it was pretty bizarre. I mean Southern Miss is a that, that bowl is team from earliest, last year. I, I mean for me, I, that is that I think that's the first time a coach has ever been, you know, gotten rid of in week one, to my knowledge. 
Oh boy. Um, I mean, Bobby Johnson, like in the pre in fall camp one year at Vanderbilt, quit uh, in the I, 2000 and I think it was a 2010 season. Uh, in, as during, we talk, as we talk, I'm gonna look it up. But for some reason, a FCS school has popped into my mind. I want to say they lost like week one really badly. Maybe they got blown out. Maybe they lost to a D2 team or something. But there's an FCS school that I am convinced fired their coach like minutes after the first games. I I feel like I heard a story about that. Like it was was in the last couple of years, right? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I heard, I feel like I heard a story about that, but I don't remember it off the top of my head. So now uh, we'll, we'll get to some of these week two games here in just a minute. We've got we have four AAC conf, or ACC conference matchups. Also, with Notre Dame being officially part of the ACC for the year, that's going to be a little bit weird. But I'm not like entirely against it, Josh. But let's just talk about you know we we we've talked and heard so many people talk ad nauseum about the ethics of playing during COVID. You know, and now just today we're recording this on Thursday night. Ryan Day sent an open letter to the Big Ten. Uh, honestly, Josh, did you read the letter? Did you see that? No. Well, he's just uh, uh, he, he's just he's to. just being super whiny. It is really yeah. what it boils down to. He's just whining, being like, "The other people are playing. Why can't we play? The other kids are playing. Why can't we go play with them?" Yeah, I mean, so the three of us have a weird balancing act, which is we're supposed to be a football podcast. So we're going to talk about football. We're going to have. And we love football. Uh, like, like I yeah. mean, if you've listened to the show for one minute, you know that, you know, yeah. Corey, Josh and myself are, are three of the biggest college football diehards that you are ever going to run across. We love this game. It's our favorite sport for all of us by a, by a landslide. So, yeah, I mean, we're we're going to have moments where the show feels really normal and, you know, there's moments where I'm going to be excited and uh, it feels weird watching football this year. Um, And, you know, I don't want to say going through the motions because that implies we're going to deliberately put out crappy show. We're going to be like Ocho Cinco there at the end of his (laughs) NFL career. Yeah. I don't want to say that we're going through the motions, but in a way we are because this pandemic is just we don't know anything really about it. We don't know the long term health risks associated with this disease. Uh, there was a study about like the mitocardial uh, like damage to the heart of Big Ten athletes that had tested positive in the last few months. So there's potential for long-lasting damage. Um, You know, what happens when, God forbid, a player dies of COVID? Uh, What happens if a coach gets sick and dies? I mean, uh, there's a lot of uncertainty. I applaud the Big Ten for making an extremely difficult decision. Uh, Seems like the Pac-12 has also been moving in that system, or or at least they were initially with the Big Ten. But um, I think what the ACC, Big 12 are doing is 
the easy decision. That's the easy one. But I'm not sure it's the safe one. I'm not sure it's going to work out to be the correct one. Uh, Time will tell. I would love to be proven wrong. I would love for this college football season to go without a hitch and no lasting damage and nothing awful happening. Would love to be proved wrong, and then we can make fun of the Big Ten for the rest of our lives and be like, hey, remember that year the Big Ten? <laughs> the Pac-12 and the Mountain West and the Mac. Yeah, remember that year that like half the teams decided not to play, and it turned out that like COVID really um, wasn't a factor for these athletes, and you know we'll get a good chuckle about it in five years. But to err on the side of caution just makes sense we, there's too many unknowns about this disease it really does what's up it, guys hey coach, up, coach good to see you buddy yeah, good to see you guys yeah we uh, we we got done with practice a little bit late we had a uh we had a coaches meeting and uh, i didn't get home until like 10 minutes ago and i was about to eat my left arm off so i had to get some dinner <laughs> and, uh yeah so it's uh i'm glad i'm here sorry i'm late but um we're just I, I glad to have you, you coach we're just glad to have you all right. Well, what's what, what are we talking about? We're 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 talking about the uh, about the conferences playing and not playing, and sort of the ethics behind it. Now, one of the things that came out recently was that you know the amount of students who uh or students or people who get COVID having heart related issues, and actually, I I wanted to because there have been some people who have been like you know pushing back against the study, saying it's not you know, good or real or whatever. I just want to read something that was just published um, that was sent to me by uh, my father, Dr. Fred Perkins. Um, And it is, uh, I just want to read a short excerpt from this for you guys, because what it says um, is it's pretty concerning. Only the cardiomyocytes, which are muscle cells, showed indication of viral infection infection that spread to other muscle cells, the researchers said. However, what they found in the infected cells was remarkable. So these are cells that have been, these are heart cells that were infected with COVID. The, the sarcomeres, which are the long muscle fibers that keep the heart beating, had been sliced into small bits. According to the researchers, the fibers looked as if they, as if they had been surgically sliced. The researchers also found black holes where DNA was supposed to be in the nucleus of infected cells. The research researchers said they found similar but not identical changes when they observed autopsy specimens from patients with COVID-19, the disease caused by the novel coronavirus. That's not good. I don't want the muscles that keep my heart beating sliced into, uh, surgically sliced into small bits. Now, uh, now, now, I, I should remind you that this is this is research, but it has not been entirely peer reviewed, entirely peer reviewed yet. But given the source, I'm going to stay on the side of caution and say that you know, especially with you know, uh, e- even young, healthy adults being susceptible to having these long term impacts, which we don't we we don't know what they are because. COVID's been around for less than a year. So we don't know what the the long-term impacts are. What we do know is that it's not good if you get it. Not, you know, obviously, you know, the 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 more while the mortality rate may not be massive, it's still it's still quite, 
you know, even if it, the mortality rate is one half of 1%, well, if our, uh, our, cur our current president, who is now preaching herd immunity, which would mean that it would pass through all of the population, one half of 1% of the 330 million people that live in America, well, guys, that's still what uh, uh one half of one percent of 30 of 330 million is uh about oh i don't know i, I can't even do my math today uh three and a half <laughs> i don't know let's Hang call on, math i'll get on my four million people machine. Uh, uh, uh well uh, it's, it's gonna be this. it's it's, a, it's gonna be a, a million and a half to two million people i think it's uh, uh, 1.65 million 1.65 million sorry I can't do the math stuff uh, just in a more lighthearted moment just for some <laughs> distraction for the show. Um, and, to, and to save me from floundering with my mental math. Yes. Um, it's doing one of those Kahoot review games with the students the other day. And I had uh, it's like 10 students get it right and then the other 12 got it wrong. And I was like, oh, it looks like 10 is... I was like, looks like the majority of us got it. And then I was like, oh, wait, those add up to, no, wait, those add up to nine. And I was like, wait, no, th those add up to 12. I was like, no, we didn't all get it. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I just turned to the kids and I'm like, this is why I'm not your math teacher. Um, that's, that's probably good that you teach history. So um, <laughs> you, you're not, I mean, you, know, you want to know the scary part is, is uh, next semester I'm picking up since we're on the, since we're on the standard block scheduling, um, I'm pick, I'll have three brand new classes next semester in January. I'm picking up uh, as a co-teacher, I'm picking up math two, integrated math two and integrated math three. Now, I don't know, I don't know what's more scary, um, math two or math three, but um, these kids are going to be like, uh, coach, what are you, what are you doing in here? <laughs> um, <laughs> As uh, well, uh, coach, I, I know you can uh, you can at least, you know, you, you can at least count, you know, play side and backside backers so that you, you've got at least something going for you there in the math department. I mean, I can count to three. That's good, right? <laughs> there you go. Um, as coach was coming on, as coach was coming on, Matt, I had a, a chance to Google what was on the tip of my target. I was I was half right. It was an FCS team blew out a FBS team that led to a coach getting fired after one game. It's back in 2005. I don't know how I don't remember this. It's Dan McCarney. Oh, at Colorado. No, North Texas. Oh, really? The old, the old Iowa State coach, Dan McCarney, was fired after losing to uh, Portland State opening day. I remember day. that. I remember uh, that. Oh, gosh. Yeah, you're yeah. right. And they, uh, I remember that. Let's just say they, they lost the game a lot to a little. Um, it was it was uh, sixty six to seven, I believe. So yeah, <laughs> that's the Dang. game that was that was on the top of my tongue. Dang. Yeah, coach, well, are you going to apply for the Southern Miss opening? Yes, mustard buzzards. Here I come. It's hey man, I'll, listen. If you need a if you need a video guide to take down to Hattiesburg with you, let you, let me know. <laughs> All right, um, we'll yeah. pack, get packed up, man. I'll need one for All sure. Right, sounds Josh, good. Josh, I need a. Uh, never mind. I was going to say I need a math guy, but you're not. You're not it. But <laughs> uh, I, I need a historian. Oh, no, Josh can be our. Josh can be the SID, and we'll go from there. There, there you go. go. Yeah. So, 
Well, so we're opening here week one with we have four ACC conference Isn't it technically games. week two? Well, week I don't two, think they I don't did know. I don't think they th- did there week, was week zero, zero week one, I, whatever. Now they, they got I, rid of week zero. This as far as, as, far as I'm two. concerned, this is I, this is technically week two, but we will do our conference previews next this week. This is week two. Yeah, we'll do our conference previews for the SEC, the Big 12, and some of the other conferences next week. But we need to do the ACC because there are four ACC conference games this week. So obviously, Clemson returns as the national runner-ups from last year, preseason number one team. Uh, Coach, is there anyone in the ACC who can even you know stay within two touchdowns of Clemson? No, not a, not a chance. Not uh, even. Not even. Who, who's going to push him most? Notre Dame. Yes, I guess you could call Notre Dame an ACC team. But uh, they, yeah, for that, the season, they're an ACC team. They're playing. They're playing an ACC schedule this year. That's true. They uh, they borrowed them. So uh, Notre Dame's the only one that can hang. Uh, Florida State, maybe. Yeah, I mean, Jay Nor- I mean, you know, good for them for ha- for getting a good coach finally in Jay Norvell. You know they, they they've needed one for for a minute now, but Norvell's well, almost had two mutinies on his hands. <laughs> He's off to a rough start. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um, I mean, then, then then who's our Josh? Do you have like a, a sleeper or a dark horse? And I know so many people are <laughs> fawning over North Carolina, and I'm not going to lie, I don't see it. I think North Carolina was frisky last year. Um, they liked the energy that Mac Brown bought. So I could see why people. Yeah, I got to love that octogenarian are, energy. Yeah, I can see why people are, are enjoying that. Um, I think Virginia had way too much roster turnover. Um, you know, they lost their dynamic quarterback. So unfortunately, I don't see the who's. I know there's no ACC title game this year, but I don't see them contending uh, for that. Um, you know, Virginia Tech was was up and down a year ago, but I think people like the pieces, although I'm not sold on the coaching staff. So I, I'm honestly struggling to find, you know, a, a team to be a true dark horse. So I'm going to go with one a little bit off the board. And that's just, have you ever noticed that Pitt throws like crazy monkey wrenches into schedules we sometimes we, we, we all have like a weird affinity for pit too so <laughs> um, no I, i'm not surprised at all also pit those when, when they go with like the with like the, the yellow and like the more of like the royal blue look not like the dark not the navy blue but the royal blue look some of the, the best mu- you- the mustard the mustard and, and royal yeah oh the that, royal, yeah. The royal mustard maybe th- those might be the best unis in the acc yeah so i mean like okay just to give you an idea about how pittsburgh likes to throw a monkey wrench into stuff well, so, when they beat clemson the year they won the national title yeah that was a pretty big monkey wrench uh last year they gave penn state all they could handle losing in happy valley 17 10 um they were the ones who upset the North Carolina apple cart and paved the way for the Who's by knocking off the heels in overtime last year. Um, you know, they went seven and five regular season, then won their bowl game, 500 in conference. They're, they're frisky. And I think with Narduzzi, they're better coached than people realize. I, I think, I think sometimes people feel like he hasn't lived up to expectations because Pitt hasn't fully broken through yet. But 
I think what he inherited was way worse than people realize. And just he plays in that pro stadium. They're always overshadowed in their own state by Penn State, and they're always overshadowed in their conference by Clemson, among others. And it's just, I don't know. Maybe they'll be frisky. We'll see. I mean, I Coach. think Narduzzi's done a good job. Um, I don't think he's had much. I mean, he's not—he's never been a powerful recruiter. But I—I I mean, just Pitt is not one of those programs where you're where you look at it and just be like Pitt, like they're national <laughs> powerhouses. So I think Narduzzi's done fine. I don't think he's been spectacular. But honestly, who's spectacular? Clemson. I mean, yeah, who's, who's it's, spectacular it's the most top-heavy league, though. Yeah, it absolutely is. I don't know. Can, does anyone anyone want to buy some some Louisville stock? Yeah, to, I mean, they, maybe. yeah, they're well coached. They're I, they, super you know, well coached, especially yeah. with with, I like with the Satterfield. Guy. Yeah, Satterfield, good coach, and on top of that, you know, with some of Clemson's guys, especially some of their receivers out for the year. I think Justin Ross is out for the year. You know, uh, Tutu Atwell's probably the best receiver in the conference. And they've got, yeah. you know, they, they're going to have a good, they're, they're going to have a good offense. Louisville always seems to have some really solid skill players. They're going to have to replace Makai Becton, their, you know, mountain of a left tackle. But who's I, in New York now, right? Yeah, who's playing for the Jets? But I could see, I, I could see Louisville making some noise. But I will never, ever fully trust Louisville. Um, any of the other North Carolina schools interest anyone? Wake Forest, Sage Surratt, their best player, uh, opted out of the season because of COVID. North Carolina State, I mean, who even knows what's going on there? Uh, Duke <laughs> they, has they have a team still? Duke has Chris Rumpf and pretty much nothing else. I so. think Duke's such a well coached. Duke is the they're the best team in, in North Carolina right now. Are they are are they better than UNC? I don't know. They might be. They're better. They're, they're they're extremely well coached and they're pesky. Yeah, I was gonna say, you know, they won. They only went five and seven last year. A little bit of a down year for Cutcliffe, but I expect them to bounce back. I expect them to be a splinter in some of these teams and and maybe steal a win that they shouldn't get. Um, I think another team that could also be a pest, and unfortunately for their schedule, schedule doesn't do them any favors, but. Um, with Syracuse's high flying offense mm-hmm. and the poor tackling we've seen in some of these games, <laughs> um, if Syracuse had gotten Clemson, for instance, week one, that would have been that would have been fun. That would have been an interesting one. I mean, what was what two years ago up in the Carrier Dome? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it wasn't that long ago that you know that, that that Syracuse was putting it to Clemson. So I mean Miami is gonna be interesting just because they have Derek King now playing quarterback. They actually might have some decent quarterback play. Uh, but, I don't know. Based on this UAB game, I'm I'm ready to write them off. <laughs> I don't have it on in the background right now because I've actually been watching the US Open. I just watched Jen Brady lose to Naomi Osaka in the women's semis. But yeah. um I don't know. I think that I mean this obviously the most top heavy conference. Clemson is like, I mean, Clemson versus the field isn't even a bet you could take because, like, Clemson versus the field would still be favorite Clemson. You'd get, like, one to ten odds. Like, I, I can't even imagine the VIG you would have to pay on that. So, <laughs> Well, uh, you know, Miami was poorly coached a year ago. Miami was not a good team last year. They added they Derek still, King. 
and they still got Manny Diaz. Yeah, Manny. Uh, I, well, I, I, I mean, was listening to uh, I was listening to the Dan Levitard show, and their producer Mike Ryan, who is a massive Hurricanes fan, was saying, "Yeah, uh, Miami, uh, Miami off of a bye is a dangerous team to themselves because you, the more time you give Manny Diaz to coach, the worse they are." <laughs> uh, here we go. Here's some stats for you guys. Halftime stats. First downs, UAB 5, Miami 13. Total yards, UAB 127, Miami 247. Sounds like they're blowing them out. Rushing yards, 13 for UAB, 181 for Miami. Getting it done on the ground. UAB 7 penalties, 39 yards. Miami 1 for 15. That doesn't sound like Miami. Turnovers, UAB 0, Miami 1. Time of possession, UAB 16-47, Miami 13-13. Sounds like it should be a blowout, gentlemen. It's 14-7 to at half. <laughs> yeah, they're not getting it done. They're not getting no. it done. Well, wow. we have we, we have four ACC matchups this weekend. All the, the closest spread on any of them is Georgia Tech at Florida State, where Florida State is favored by 12.5. Coach, I could see actually Georgia Tech pulling that one out, especially with a new coach at Florida State. Yeah, I mean, you have no spring practice. You have a new, new way of doing things. New, new system. New, new everything at Florida State. I, I could, I could see that game getting sideways for for the Seminoles. The um, only thing I, I that think, would make me push up, push back against that is that I think Marvin Marvin Wilson by himself could just engulf the entire Georgia Tech line, and yeah. you know, and and he could get like four safeties by himself, and they could win the game like eight to six. Yeah. Now I, I've always contended that Georgia Tech was uh, any. Whenever Paul Johnson left, it was going to be a two-year rebuild, and this would be year two. They're going to be very competitive, but I just don't think they're going to be there yet because they're just not quite built the way that uh, Jeff Collins wants them to be built. So um, it's uh, you know it, 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 they're still in a project, but they're going to be pesky. Uh, they've got a little bit more continuity. They know what's going on in year two of the Jeff Collins era. Uh, and uh, I think they, uh, I think they promised them if they win, they all get team issued capris. So, do you guys hear what the do you guys hear what the Florida State athletic director said regarding fans in the stadium? Oh, no, no it was. Is that what he said? It, no, it was. Uh, I, I don't know. I just I thought this was a pretty offensive thing to say. He, he, he gave us. Did quote. he spell Florida State? No, he. No, this is this is what the athletic director said. He said, "Four State football will allow fans at the stadium. Our capacity will be will be between twenty and twenty five percent. We're trying to get those Willie Taggart numbers." No, he didn't say that. I made it up. I don't want to. I don't want to besmirch the FSU athletic director's day. Do you really though? Do you really care if you besmirch the FSU athletic director? I don't even know who the AD is, but I just my point exactly. So the other three ACC. I don't don't know. You you got me. It could be DK Metcalf for all I know. Um, (laughs) Well, TK Weatherall. He was he was one of my dad's teammates. Oh, okay. Actually, yeah. Well, I know that. Well, then. There we go. Um, you want to pick that name up uh, that he just dropped? <laughs> um, so uh, no, but uh, three other ACC games this weekend: Syracuse at North Carolina, Duke at Notre Dame, Clemson at Wake Forest. North Carolina 
Josh somehow is favored by 23, which I mean, pe- like like people are excited about North Carolina, but and people are really getting excited about Sam Howell, you know, for a sophomore mm-hmm. year. But I, I'm predicting a sophomore slump for him. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> oh, go ahead, coach. Yeah, yeah I was going to say. I, I mean, you know, you you come in, and part of what makes quarterbacks develop in year two is having again that spring practice period, having that off season reviewing your film from your freshman year and really developing. He doesn't have, he didn't have that and he doesn't have that rapport with these receivers. And so he is going to struggle. He, he might come out of it, but he's going to struggle early on. Everybody will really, but I mean, people that, you know, need that jump from year one to year two are going to really struggle. Yeah, definitely. Um, Josh, I mean, do you think it's going to be, do you think it's going to be a, a UNC blowout? Like Las Vegas is predicting. Uh, that number caught my eye because that seems pretty bold for such a strange off season and and everything. Um, I, I will say this though. I mean, Coach mentioned that there's some new faces on the team, but the leading receiver is back, Dimey Brown, thousand receiving yards a year ago. So you know you get your top target back. That's nice. Um, I think there's a lot to like about UNC on paper, but the problem is you're buying a lot of stock in a magical turnaround type season. And it's like, you know, they were, they were on the mat. They were so bad that like anything Mac Brown was going to do would improve them. And you see the total difference between an awful, awful coach and someone who is... The hat man, Larry Fedora. Yeah, and you see someone who is a good coach. I think what people, you know, were loving was, wow, they made a bowl in week in season one. They won their bowl at seven and six, four and four. But we've talked about the ACC is really top heavy. So there are wins to be had there. So just running through... North Carolina's season a year ago, they beat the utterly disappointing South Carolina Gamecocks week one. They beat the absolutely underwhelming, atrociously coached Miami Hurricanes week two. Then they promptly lost three straight, Wake, App State, and Clemson. And I know that all three were close. I know the Clemson game was a one-point heartbreaker, um, but still, I mean, those are those are losses. Those you know, doesn't matter if it's by one or a hundred, something went wrong in three straight weeks. Then they beat a Georgia Tech team that Coach already mentioned is in a rebuild. They lost at Virginia Tech in six overtimes. So that one's kind of exciting. Uh beat Duke, then lost to Virginia, lost to Pitt, beat Mercer, beat North Carolina State, who was also a pretty big disappointment a year ago. So you add it all up and Sure, you you flip a coin, maybe they pick off some of those close games. But at the same time, you can flip a coin the other way and say, well, they beat South Carolina and Miami by a combined eight or seven points. So, I Mm -hmm. mean, they were were a tight rope act all last year. That's a hard way to, you know, repeat. There's a lot of puck luck to steal a hockey term. With that, they were a 500 team for a reason. They're still developing, and 
I mean, I get the excitement and I don't want to be, you know, like I did a few years ago and I was like, Mitch Trubisky, who's this guy? Who's going to draft him? No one cares about him. Like, <laughs> and I, I, I crapped all over North Carolina. They probably still hate me, but uh, I'm just trying to be realistic about them. Yeah. Well, guys, we've only got a couple more minutes here, so I want to jump right in. We have eight non-ACC conference games this Ooh. weekend between FBS schools. And so we are starting our spread formations, guys, with eight games this weekend. We are going to start with the Warhawks of Louisiana Monroe heading up to West Point, New York, to take on the 1-0 and uh, Army Cadets, the Black Knights of West Ooh. Point. 21-point favorites, Josh. 21-point favorites at home against ULM. Who do you like? Well, the way Army took it to Middle Tennessee a week ago was pretty eye-opening. Does that mean Louisiana Monroe will be serious and work their butts off all week at practice? Well, I don't know with these practice schedules. It's so hard. Who knows? I'm going to go with the more sure thing. I'm going to take Army to cover three touchdowns. Coach? Army was really impressive in how they just completely dismantled Middle Tennessee uh, or MTSU, man. It, it was watching that game. I, I just kind of felt like I was embarrassed you know, for the entire cities of the entire city of Murfreesboro. I was too, and and I was thinking this has got to be the end for Rick Stockstill. And I was like, man, at least the beginning look, of the end. Yeah, they just look pitiful. I mean that that whole sequence at the end of the half where you have forty seconds, you hit the ball in the inside the ten. And you get nothing, and you only run two plays. Yeah, that was that was pathetic. That was that absolutely was, pathetic. I, I've never pulled my hair out so much in my entire life. I mean, you know, I heard I heard Brian Ferentz was watching that entire sequence and taking notes to add that wrinkle to his offense. <laughs> that does not surprise yes, me in yes, the least. Was. That does he not was. surprise me in the least. All right, sounds like we're all taking the Black Knights. Let's head over down to. The Lone Star State, Josh. We already mentioned Texas State earlier, Ooh. looking good in their in their first game. This week they are favored at home against UTSA. Uh, t- Texas State nine point favorites at home against the Roadrunners. Who do you like? Yeah, I already talked about him. I I was really impressed with uh, a big step up in competition to SMU. I thought Brady McBride handled himself well against SMU back down in a uh, more equitable opponent with the Roadrunners. I, I kind of like that Texas State team. They they looked w- much, much better, way better, way improved last week over a year ago. So I, I'm going to give those Bobcats some love and say that they cover also. All right, Coach. Ooh. Um, I'm going to go with Josh here. Uh, I like the... I like the Bobcats. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I I have a soft spot for the Roadrunners, but in Jeff Trailer's first game as head coach, mm-hmm. you know, especially new coach, didn't get anything in terms of spring ball, anything like that, with limited fall camp for all these teams. You got to go with the continuity at Texas State. Uh, give me Texas State in this one as well to cover. Next, we're going to head over to Boone, North Carolina, where App State. Hey, by is the way, by the way, I was watching Texas State last week, and uh, they were so. Uh, I guess they, I guess they had to get their first game out of the way, but they were uh, 
they were running this play and, and uh, it was a, tri- it was a triple option play where they, you know, you give it, run it out there and throw the bubble. Well, he throws the bubble and the guy is standing out of bounds. The receiver had ran out of bounds <laughs> and caught the pass. The quarterback threw it to him. He was staring at him, knew he was out of bounds and he threw it to him out of bounds for a two yard loss. <laughs> I was like, well, shouldn't that be an incomplete pass if he catches it out of bounds? Or I guess that would be a fumble if it's behind the line of scrimmage. So technically, yeah, it would have been. He just, yeah, it was technically a fumble out of bounds. But it, it was. I was like, what is he? Does he not? I was like, come on, really? All right, guys, yeah. we gotta get the, through these last couple, these last six rapid fire. Uh, Charlotte uh, against in-state App State. App State seventeen-point favorites at home in Boone. Josh, who you like? Okay, well, first of all, Charlotte did a very sneaky thing in the offseason, which is change their logo. So when I first saw it, I was like, Charlotte, is that a new FCS team that I don't know about? And then I realized, oh, no, it's our old friend, the Charlotte 49ers, just with a new look. Um, Not entirely sure. It's like a UTEP hammer thing Ooh. that miners use yeah it's weird with, it, with it, i mean it's a, it's a pickaxe it's, it's a pickaxe but yeah I was, uh, I was caught off guard by it uh you know what i'm not going to be caught off guard by is the vastly superior app state program at home give me the mountaineers coach uh that was a very roundabout way of saying that the mountaineers are going to roll um <laughs> i concur yeah, App, 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 App State going away. Uh, next, we've got U- uh, the biggest spread of the week, the University of Texas at El Paso, better known as UTEP. They're heading to Austin. The Longhorns, Josh, your favorite team, favored by 43. Ooh. Jesus. Wow. That's, let's, that's let, a let, let's make it quick because we have we have two minutes left. Well... I mean, here's the bottom line. UTEP's awful. They've been awful for a really long time. But 40 is just an astronomical number. I pretty much never take 40 because all it does is is require UTEP to have one stupid pick six and one silly drive where they get a field goal to put up 10 points, and then you're expecting Texas to run it up on somebody. So I'll take the minors. Coach. Yeah, I, I just don't think they're gonna have time to to spread a forty four point victory. So, uh, I actually think that this is the year that Texas is gonna try to get Sam Ellinger the Heisman in a in a in a diluted field. So I see Texas winning by by forty eight in this one. So I'm actually gonna take the Longhorns. Ooh. Next, we have a battle in the Bluegrass State, Western Car- Western Kentucky at Louisville. Louisville favored by eleven and a half points at home. Josh. Western Kentucky at Louisville. Hmm, boy. Let's see. We have one team that we think is a dark horse in the ACC to do some damage, and the other is the Hilltoppers. <laughs> give me Louisville. Coach. Oh, give me Louisville all day. They're extremely well coached. They're like uh, App State on steroids. Yeah, give, <laughs> yeah give, give, give me Louisville by three touchdowns or more. Next, Josh, we will head to your home state. Uh, the... Uh, the Cyclones of mm. Iowa State uh, are hosting uh, our favorite nickname team, the Raging Cajuns of the, the University of Louisiana, favored by only 11 and a half at home. Yeah, I was kind of hoping for a silly spread on this, like three touchdowns or something, and then I could talk about how Iowa State 
has just been a mess. They were going to have fans. Now they're not having fans. They are a COVID hotspot. No, no idea what's going on with that campus. But with it being under two touchdowns, I'm going to take Iowa State because I think they are a uh, a pretty complete team, at least on paper, and a coaching staff that we all really like. Brock Purdy, Heisman Dark Horse. Coach, are you with Josh there? I'm with Josh. Yeah, I, I just think they're. I mean, they're too well coached. The their defense is good. Scheme wise, is very sound, and I think Brock Purdy is going to have a big year. All right. Uh, quickly, Arkansas State at Kansas State. Arkansas State lost to Memphis last week. Kansas State ten and a half point favorites at home against the Red Wolves. Josh. Yeah, Arkansas State with a game under them, they looked pretty good in a losing effort. Um, Kansas State was kind of just all over the map. A year ago, I think it'll be another tight loss for Arkansas State, but close enough that they actually cover. I think it's going to be really ugly, but I think Kansas State's going to cover barely. But it'll be one of those where you're starting to wonder until about the midway through the third quarter. But I think Kansas, I think Kansas State will will, will pull it out. I, I like that Arkansas State has had a game under their belt, and so I will take them to lose by only three points, so they will mm-hmm. cover. Finally, Coastal Carolina at Kansas. Um, yeah, Kansas favored by six and a half. <laughs> Rock Chalk Jayhawk. I, I feel weird saying that. So uh, 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 speaking about logo changes, ESPN, I don't know if this is an official one or just ESPN's website or something, but Kansas, the bird used to have – like color to it and now it's just like grayed out the bird looks dead i don't know what's happening they killed um, the bird, the bird yeah uh, I, i'm going to say that this is an inauspicious sign and the coastal carolina chanticleers in honor of their old coach have some dog in them <laughs> great soundbite but it's not gonna yeah. be enough though yeah shanty's in, a, in an upset all right, nice. uh, Coach, you like Kansas. Uh, I like Puka Williams to run for about 275 yards and four scores in this one. So, Puka. Uh, with that, guys, I have to go. So, we all have to go. So, uh, it is time for us to wrap up. Good to be back. And uh, on behalf of our own intrepid blogger in the yeah. Windy City, it's been a while since I did this, po- I since, since I did the outro. Man. Yeah. Yeah. On behalf of our of our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton, here in Nashville, Tennessee, and our intrepid blogger from Big Ten Encoding, Josh Cook, up there in the Windy City, this is the Professor in Nashville saying so long and see you next time on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. Tulane at South Alabama. Going to be a fun one. Watch it. September 25th, Hillwood versus McGavitt. It's on. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.